You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Pat Goodwin, a casting director in New York City. He has casted Broadway shows such as Waitress, The Share Show, Tina, Annie, Finding Neverland, and Chaplin. He has also casted movies and broadcasts for shows such as Jesus Christ Superstar and the SpongeBob Musical. And finally, Pat was a casting associate for The Greatest Showman and The Wiz Live. Hi, Pat. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm taking things day by day and trying to you know, keep myself busy and find something that is um, making me sane while trying to get through quarantine. <laughs> I think we all feel like that. <laughs> so would you like to start by telling how you got to be a casting director? Of course. Um, I, When I was younger, I was an actor. I did all sorts of theater productions when I was in school. And I knew that I wanted that to be part of my college education. But I wasn't 100% sure that that's the path I wanted to follow. So it was very important to me when going to college that I went somewhere where I could double major because I also was very interested in law and political science. So I was always half and half between becoming an actor and becoming a lawyer. So I went to Drew University, which is a liberal arts school in New Jersey. And uh, it was excellent because it really gave me a very hands-on opportunity to be involved in theater as a theater major and also gave me a deep dive into the world of politics and law as a political science major. So double majoring there, I sort of was on both sides of the fence my, my entire time in college and, and tried to keep those interests in line. And then as my senior year approached, I realized I still had a great deal of interest in both and I just hadn't made up my mind yet as to what I wanted to do. So I had applied to a few law schools. I took the LSATs uh, and the GREs for some grad schools. And then I applied to some postgraduate training programs, which would get me my MFA if I decided to go to an acting program. Uh, and at the end of the day, a very smart professor of mine said, I don't think that you should do either of those things. I think that you should try to live in New York for a little while and see where life takes you. And I did that. And I started auditioning in the city right after I graduated from school and very quickly realized that I needed something to do uh, to keep my to keep myself busy in between the auditions and also my night job as a bartender. So I decided to intern at Telsey and company. And that was 15 years ago. And for the first couple of years I was there, I, you know, balanced my auditioning on the side with my job there. Cause I was uh, an intern for a little while and then quickly became an assistant to Bernie Telsey. Uh, and then I eventually just made the decision that I was much more interesting in casting and that 
it was still a way to be an artist uh, and a business person at the same time. And the marriage of those two things was very interesting to me. And then 15 years later, here we are. I'm still doing it and I love it. So a big question I have is what do you notice first when someone walks into the audition room or sends in a self-tape? It's really dependent on the project. I think if we get into the nitty gritty of what somebody should be wearing or what their look should be like, uh, that can change from project to project. But in general, I think it's, it's really important that the personality and the human being that walks in the room is authentic. And it's clear that the, that the human is just as interesting as the performance that they're giving. Uh, and I think a lot of people get so caught up in making sure that all the, the craft elements of what they're doing in an audition are perfect, that they forget that we want to see who those people are. We want to see who the human beings are. So I, I always am very interested in seeing what somebody's energy is the second they open the door. Um, if, if they feel comfortable enough to be themselves, if they feel like, um, you know, they can show us a little bit of their humanity in addition to their art. Um, that's always very important, depend, no matter what the project is. So what advice would you give to people mm -hmm. that are coming into audition for you? Be prepared. I think if you can just be as prepared as you possibly can, whether that's with material that's been given to you by that creative team and that casting director, or if you're coming in with a song of your own or a monologue of your own, there's so little you have control over when you're in an audition room and your preparation is one of the things you do have control over. So I always tell everybody, do your homework, make sure that if there's anything you're unclear about before an audition, you're doing enough diligence to make sure that you're double checking and, and looking over a monologue again, or a piece of a song cut that you're just not quite sure of. Uh, one of the things that you should remember and that everybody should remember when, when coming into a room for a casting director is we have no reason to want you to do anything other than your very best. So if you can be prepared and you can come in with positive energy wanting to be there, that's so much of the game already that you're ahead of. Um, and I really, really believe that. And I think most casting directors do. So how do you get jobs as a casting director? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I sort of, you know, I, I wasn't really taught what a casting director did in college and I didn't really know. And I fell into my internship and learned along the way. And I think in the past 15 years since then, casting has become a little bit more known as a career and as something that can be studied and, and be practiced as opposed to so many people my age and older than I that fell into it for one reason or another, whether that was a transition from acting into being a casting director or a cast, uh, transition from directing into being a casting director. Uh, but nowadays it's so relationship built. It's all around uh, other artists that you know and have worked with that come back at job after job if you have a great relationship and a good shorthand with them. And a lot of it is you know having to network and having to do a little bit of um, connecting with people that you might not necessarily know in your immediate circle, whether that's at a studio or a network or a, a Broadway producer and make sure that they know who you are and, and what your track record of work is in hopes of working for them. If that's a goal of yours, it's very much uh, a networking and relationships industry at whole. So are you always proud of the cast you end up with, or have you ever had regrets of the, of the choices you've made? That is such a good question. Um, <laughs> You know, I am I am very fortunate that um, 
the majority of the people that I have worked with over the years are, I, I'm not even going to say the majority, all the people I've worked with have been so wonderful in, in not only hiring our office and me to, to work on their jobs, but also in coming to a very, very close collaboration of who they want to hire at the end of the day. And I don't think I have any regrets in terms of folks that ended up being in a show. Of course, I might have not agreed with their first choice or their immediate choice, but that doesn't mean that that person that's a second choice isn't doing a fabulous job once they get in the building and they're going through a rehearsal process. So I wouldn't say that I have any regrets um, because so much of what we do is a collaboration. And and one of the biggest misconceptions about what a casting director do is that we make the final say. We don't. We don't make the final decision as to who is in a production. We're there to serve that creative team's vision and making sure that what they want as an artistic product is going to end up on stage. So uh, the good thing about that is you know, we're never the one at the end of the day that is making a finalized decision, but we're there to artistically help them in any way they can if they need more information about actors or if they need to see a different type of actor for a role. So I wouldn't say that I regret any of the final outcomes of the casts that uh, are in projects with my name on it. Uh, It's always a collaborative art. What's your least favorite thing to see in an audition? It irks me. One of my big pet peeves is somebody that feels like they have to repeatedly apologize for themselves. Um, you never have to apologize for yourself. We understand, we're human beings. We understand if you get sick. We understand if you, unfortunately, were not given ample time with the material. We understand that everybody has a bad day sometimes and they can't come in and give their best work. But people who repeatedly apologize um, make me feel like they are, are are, are putting too much pressure on themselves and in, in feeling like they're letting us down. We want you to succeed. And so the more that you can, and the, what I would also say with that is if you're not having your best day or if you're sick or if you're under the weather, or if you're going through something and just can't come in a room and do your best work, then don't come in. And that's okay too, if you have a good reason why you're not. But I think a lot of times people feel like apologizing is going to you know, make things better in any way. And that that's not necessary in, in a lot of occasions. Just be communicative before your audition if there's something you feel like we should know. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Another question that just came to mind when you um, sign on to a show, do you cast all the casts after that, like the replacements and all that? Or is it only the original cast? So when you're uh, in a theater contract, you are nine times out of 10. I don't think there's ever been a time actually when I can't remember this. You're you're hired to cast the original production and then maintenance, which is all replacement casting that happens after that. Every once in a while, there will be a casting director switch at some point during the run if they feel like they need to go with a different person for whatever reason, or if somebody you know is moving away, that happens. It's very, very rare in our industry, but the expectation is that you're not only going to cast the original company, but all the replacements that come after it. So what has been the biggest obstacle in your career? Um, the biggest obstacle, that's another great question. 
I think the hardest thing, and this might sound like a, a, a sort of fake answer, but it's true. The hardest thing about being a casting director for me is that you can never see everybody that is right for a role. It's just impossible. There's so many performers and so many people. And I think what frustrates me in terms of an obstacle is that we're often in a very specific time crunch when we're trying to do certain jobs that we just don't have the leisure to spend a year looking for a certain role or travel to, you know, England and look for people in London if we need to, or travel to LA if, if time doesn't permit. So I think the time factor is a big thing, but also with specifically with theater, because you're working on a much stricter budget, the budget is sometimes not what you want it to be to cast the net a little bit wider and look in avenues where you normally wouldn't. And I think we're all getting very creative, especially in quarantine time with how we start to think about that and how we do reach out to more people and create more pipelines of actors that will have opportunity to be considered if it wasn't an opportunity before. Uh, but that would be what I would think is the most immediate things to come to mind in terms of, you know, an obstacle. What's the best advice you have gotten? Uh, I think the best advice in terms of casting that I've ever received from the mentors that I've had and the people that I've worked with is not to rush. Yes, you, and I, I mean that, it, you know, I know you can look at the word rush and go, well, you just said, you know, you're on a time crunch and there's so many things you have to do. Yes, you have a job to do and you have a client that you have to uh, make sure is taken care of. But I think a lot of times what happens is people either take on too many things at once or they feel like they have to overload their plate because they don't want to miss out on any opportunities that it then becomes a cycle of so much work that needs to be get that needs to be done so quickly to meet deadlines and i think one of the things that i've learned uh in the more recent years is you always have to make sure that your time management in terms of those jobs is making the creative team feel like they're still being taken care of and that they're still in a position where they can reach out to you at any time for any reason, which I always want my creative teams to do that. So not rushing in that sense has been a, a great piece of advice that I've been given. Do you think your career has benefited more from education or experience? Experience. I think casting is the kind of position where there isn't a lot of opportunity for education. There's not a lot of uh, classes that you can take on how to be a casting director. I'm actually a adjunct professor at Pace University. And one of the things I love about their program is that they let me create this course in casting. I teach it every spring. And my hope with that is that it will eventually turn into a minor so that there is a collegiate minor program that can teach people to do it. But so much of my learning about the casting process and how you navigate relationships and how you scout talent and all those things has been because I was in the room with somebody who did it really well. And I think if you have that opportunity to shadow somebody or to um, even just talk to them, you know, I have a, a mentor right now who is not somebody that ever worked at our office, was never an intern. It was just somebody that reached out to me saying, I'm really interested in this. I would love to know more about it. Can you help me? And I had the time during quarantine to do that. And I was more than willing to do it. But I do think in general, uh, it's so helpful to be in a room and hear the conversations that happen both when the actors are in the room and when they leave the room to know how the casting process unfolds. It's, it takes a long time to learn and I'm still learning it 15 years later. There's so many little things here and there that, um, that I'm learning about, but I find that very helpful to be in the process being very hands-on. So how have you been spending your time during quarantine? 
other than mentoring? Lots of Zoom auditions, lots of Zoom meetings and generals. And, uh, and yeah, I feel like the entire entertainment industry has sort of been forced into this corner where we're all living virtually. And the only thing we can do is to try to not get complacent with that. I'm still trying to spend as much time as I can uh, just meeting new people that I find clips of and I like from the showcases or having conversations with folks that I normally uh, wouldn't have had the time to have the conversations with. And, and so in addition to the, the actual jobs that we're still fortunate enough to do over Zoom, I've been trying to fill the remainder of my time with meeting new talent. Uh, in any way possible. And it's been, I have to say, as as much as I don't love the system of Zoom and, and, and this world that we're living in, one very positive thing for me that's come out of it is that I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have enough time to meet new actors more so than I ever would have in any other capacity. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap up? I think um, for anybody that's listening that is an aspiring actor or an aspiring casting director, I think we're going to get back to where we were in terms of having people in theaters and new art being created and to stay positive and to use the time until that moment comes to not let your art go to the wayside. There's a way to still be an artist uh, and to still have your stuff online, on social media, on websites, on virtual concerts. And I would just encourage people to, uh, to stick it out and to really if it's something you love and it's something that you want to give a shot at as a career, you owe it to yourself to make sure that you give it that opportunity and that chance. And if uh, we are back sooner rather than later, I'm more than willing to to help out if I can. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.